Alex Fick is the founder and CEO of OtherWeb. They're a public benefit company that's reshaping the digital landscape by addressing the problem of low quality content by providing a curated ad-free digital, digital experience, eliminating clickbait and misleading content. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thank you so much, George. Excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, I guess, well, let me take it a few years back. And when I just started in tech, I got pigeonholed into perception systems, cameras, computer vision, that, that sort of thing. And I spent 15 years building them. And at some point I had this huge crisis of conscience where it seemed to me like the world doesn't need more cameras. And so I wasn't quite sure why I'm building more of these things into every single device out there. You know, everything from, you know, traffic lights to drones to rifle scopes to pet monitors and baby monitors, right? Some of them perhaps better than others. But still, I was looking for a real problem that I can fix that really aligns with my values. And I reached the conclusion that the problem is not that we're not creating enough information, it's that we're consuming junk at the end of each day anyway. So I'm not sure where all that information we're creating is going, but our filters are obviously broken. So two years ago, I decided to focus on that, and that's how I ended up with the other web. I like it. We have enough cameras. I've never thought about that. I'm going to spend some time thinking about it, but I feel like you're right. So funny. <laughs> Tell us something personal about you, Alex. Um, I don't know where to start. So I think I mentioned to you, I was born in the Soviet Union, raised in Israel. I lived in Japan for a while, then in California, in the Bay Area for 10 years. Now I've been in Texas for the past six years. So I guess the personal thing is I have a thorn up my butt and I can't stop moving. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. All right. So... It's not necessarily an information problem. It's a bad information problem. Well, I think it's probably the way that we filter information and what bubbles up to the top is unable to cope with the current that we've been creating lately. Right. So the system that we are using to process information has been created as a response to the invention of the printing press, if you look at it historically, right? The printing press was invented in the... 15th century, 1430s, let's say. And for the next 200 odd years, the system was broken. Nobody could cope with that influx of information. You had 52 different religious wars all over Europe. You had the inquisitions, you had the witch hunts. And then 200 years later, you have the scientific method and peer review and then the enlightenment. And now we have enlightenment era tools. They worked Sort of okay, but you still had the invention of the radio created some dictatorships in Europe, right? Um, you had some transition periods, but we survived them for the most part. But the internet seems like it really broke everything. And now we have a situation where we need new methods because the old methods probably don't scale. And if you think the internet is a problem, wait until generative AI actually becomes more widely adopted because then the amount of information that we're seeing now will be negligible, right? It will be 10x just a few years from now. But if we don't have new methods to filter it out, then everything we're consuming will look like the spam folder in our emails. So generative AI, really, as succinctly as you can, explain why that's going to change everything. 
Well, essentially, the new large language models like ChatGPT that's been in the news lately, right? They are really good at creating text that looks a lot like what humans would create. Why? Because the entire basis of that model is essentially looking at text and predicting the next most likely word. And so based on everything they've read from humans, they are able to produce content that looks a lot like human content. Now, it's not original. It's not super thoughtful for the most part. It's just predicting what is most likely. But it looks very similar to what the human would create. So if I was trying to do great investigative journalism, I wouldn't use ChatGPT. But if I was trying to create clickbait articles all day, I would. Right. So I think what is most likely to happen once these tools become more widely adopted is the amount of low quality content is going to increase 10x, 100x, just because all the people creating it will become that much more productive now. Whereas the amount of high quality investigative journalism, let's say, or research studies is not going to grow by all that much. So the signal to noise ratio is going to go down. If you don't develop a filtering capacity to match that, then you have a problem. That makes a ton of sense. So the whole bubbling up thing, I think, is a, a great way to sort of think about it. Right now we've got, and even, well, we had the printing press. You talked about how that became sort of a weaponized thing for manipulation or propaganda and getting your point across and influencing and then the then the enlightenment happens, the scientific method, and we sort of figure it out. And then the internet comes and 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 washes all that advancement away. And now yeah. we already feel like there's just we're it's just crap everywhere, and it's just spam. And now with generative AI, it's going to be exponentially worse, and it's going to break all of our brains. Is it the same? Hmm. All right. So it's a big problem. Enter other web. How are how are you tackling this? How are you going well, to save so, us, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully I will not be alone in this. And there are others working on the same problem as well. But our first approach to this was if we're going to help people consume higher quality information, let's try to learn how to measure it first. So the first thing we did before creating any platform was just to create a bunch of AI models that evaluate content along some axis. Like, is this clickbait or not clickbait? That's a relatively well-defined narrow question that if I ask 10 people on the street by showing them the same articles, they will likely agree with each other within some margin of error, right? So we can train the model to do roughly the same thing because that's what AI is really good at, emulating humans and being almost as good, but much faster and much more scalable, right? So we created about 20 of those and we aggregated their outputs into something that looks like a nutrition label. And we started putting that on content or rather allowing people through an extension to see that alongside an article that they are reading. People really liked it, but an extension means an extra click when you're reading something. So all the feedback we've gotten was make your own platform so I can get the article and the nutrition label in the same spot. So that's how we created the other web. It's a platform that basically crawls the web to find every news article, commentary article, podcast, research, study, Wikipedia entry, everything it can find. Filter out the things that are obviously bad because they trigger some red flag. And for everything that it doesn't filter out, try to give users as many tools as possible to customize what they're seeing and to make quick decisions about what they're seeing. So 
you can figure out whether you want to consume something before you consume it. Because with food, you have that option, right? You look at the nutrition label, you decide, this is not for me, I'm on keto, this is a lot of carbs, not my thing, right? With articles today, you don't. You have to start the reading and then at some point realize, oh, I probably shouldn't continue anymore. So we're trying to give you tools that allow you to make that sort of judgment a little bit earlier. The nutrition label is one. The filters you're setting is another. We give you a bullet point summary of each article. So you can look at that and decide, okay, maybe that is not the article I want to read today. Or maybe I want to read 12 of these summaries and then just pick one that I want to read from beginning to end. Because I decided that one is the most representative and highest quality of them all. So let's see how people use it. Our goal initially was just to give people the tool and then see which methods people come up with. And maybe eventually we will add more community-related features like people actually ranking things themselves, and that will be added on top of what the AI is doing right now. But so far, we have a little over 5 million users already, and that's across our platform, the website, the Android and iOS apps, the newsletter all together. And that's all been done in a little over a year. So I guess if you start from our 500 or so beta users, that's... 10,000 X growth, which is pretty good for year one. Uh, we're going to try to grow it just as much in year two and uh, hopefully reach as many people as we can. Well, that's awesome. Congrats on the success thus far. And I like the idea of using AI to counteract AI. It's, I think it's the only thing that can because I, I, humans don't scale as fast, right? So if if the content creators got their own nuclear weapon, then we need one. Sorry for the analogy. <laughs> totally get it. Um, all right. So I love the the analogy of the nutrition label. I think that that's awesome and it makes a ton of sense. I really like to think about our values, our core values as the filter through which we process information as we take it in. So I think that this is really cool. So how do I how, how do I get to interact with those filters? Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, it's always a work in progress and we keep trying to figure out what people use and how they use it. The initial idea was just to give you as many sliders as we can so you can basically set your own thresholds of i want a little bit more content in this category a little bit less in this category and our assumption was that there is an inherent trade-off within each category between quality and quantity so if we can rank all the content basically from best to worst you will tell us i want the best 10 percent in sports and we know which ones to pick because they are the best, right? But maybe in politics, you'll tell us 30% because you really like to read more of that. And so there, this, the cutoff would be lower and more articles will make it through. Um, over time, we started adding more and more uh, ways that we can customize things for you, either implicitly or explicitly. So the implicit thing is we added a Tinder-like interface where you swipe right or left based on the summary that you're reading. And over time, the system learns which topics interest you and which emotions you actually like to receive from content. So we classified every article into 13 different emotions that they could evoke in the reader. And so over time, we might learn that you really like educational stuff and you really don't like depressing stuff or vice versa. But again, our approach to it, which I guess betrays the fact that we are engineers and not really uh, marketing people 
for the most part is we still let you edit all of that out uh, uh, later on. So if we decided that you like educational stuff, you can still go and move the slider and the advanced customization and say, nope, I actually hate that, Um, which is something you can't really do on any other platform. I understand why other platforms don't let you customize it, but our approach is we want to have the user in control. Why do other platforms not want to let you customize it? Well, because their goal is to make money. They are C-Corps for the most part, not public benefit corporations. C-Corps only fiduciary duty is to maximize shareholder value, right? Which is to say, make money. Mm-hmm. Everything else, they kind of are not allowed to do, even if their PR statement says that they're su- supposed to, right? It's illegal for them to pursue anything else. So if their goal is to make money, and the way they make money is advertising, then the way to maximize the amount of advertising you see is to increase your engagement with the platform. Now, your engagement with the platform is likely to increase if they show the stuff that you respond to in the moment and not the stuff that you say you actually want. And there's obviously a difference between those two, right? If somebody offers me cake, I am much more likely to say, yes, I I want to have that cake right now than if they were to offer me kale. But if you ask me, what do I want to consume over time, I will reach a very different decision, right? So they're giving people cake all day because that ties directly to what they are legally supposed to do, which is to maximize shareholder value. If they let users opt out of that, or if they let users tweak it, then they will make less money and they will not be fulfilling their purpose as a company. So... Every time one of those companies says you can opt out of customizations or you can change it, they will create something that makes it look like you do, but they will try to sabotage your attempt to do it (laughs) just because, again, they are supposed to. That's the legal requirement from them. That's one of the reasons we registered ourselves as a public benefit corporation so that we could say, look, we have a mission that's improving the quality of information people consume, and that mission is binding. So we are not allowed to just maximize shareholder value at the expense of that mission. That would be illegal. That's one thing. The other one is for all the models that we use to evaluate content quality, we actually made them source available and the models and the data set. So people can look what we are doing and hold us accountable. So if one day the CEO is somebody who isn't me and he decides, I want to turn us into the next TikTok, Uh, then people will notice the change. They will see either that code suddenly becoming closed after it was already open, or that code change in a way that obviously makes it evident that the algorithm is changing and that the mission has changed as well. So it's almost a way to bind our future selves because we don't know companies evolve over time. But I think that is the minimum that we have to do, and maybe we have to do more things to actually stick to our mission. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I I love everything you've been saying. We have, as a culture, society, kind of gotten that twisted up a little bit. And we're yelling at corporations or wanting them to be socially active and all this, that, and the other thing. And ESG has come out of that. But it flies directly in the face of what their legitimate fiduciary responsibility is, which is to drive value to shareholders, stockholders. So it's nice and it's cute, but it's a lot of BS. And I think a lot of that's kind of coming unraveled versus when you're actually structured the way that you are as a public benefit 
company, um, that's that's very different. So I think that that's really cool. I I, I I commend you for doing that. Do you not like money, Alex? I love money. That's why we are a pro- for-profit enterprise. It's not like we are a non-profit, right? It's just, I like the idea of making money by delivering value to the world because that's not the only way you can make money. You can obviously make money either by shifting value from somebody else into your pocket, right? Which doesn't deliver any value. Or sometimes you can even make money by literally destroying value. Like let's say military technology is often in that category, right? Mm. So I think there are different ways to make money. I would rather pick the one that achieves some other goal in the process as well. I don't think that over time that actually minimize the amount of money you make. Um, but I think it will help us attract better people. It will make us happier because we're building something we believe in. And I spent a long time in that state of working on stuff that I don't think is good for the world with cameras, right? And so I'd like to not be in that state again. Amen. I appreciate that. It is, as Ben Franklin would say, it's very, very possible and desirable to do well by doing good. And I would say that you're playing the long game versus just trying to generate a bunch of money by getting people to click on stuff that is the candy or the cake, whatever, uh, whatever object of food you used versus the hell. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly right. So tell me a little bit about the actual, the actual user experience and how people can, can start using it. So right now, if users just go to otherweb.com, they can either scan a QR code to download an app on their phone or they can choose to use the website itself and their browser and read things that way. The experiences are a little different between those two. The app, as I mentioned, is a little bit Tinder-like, which some people would say contradicts the way that we are presenting our content as higher quality content, but I don't think so. I think it gives us the ability to get more direct feedback from people on what interests them as opposed to what is candy for them, right? So that is the engineering problem that method solves. On the website, it's more of the traditional scroll through a bunch of text and one article comes after the next. So whichever experience works better for people. And then there is also the option of signing up for our newsletter, which is just 10 articles you get once a day. And that's basically everything that you need to know. And that also comes in the form of short bullet point summaries for each with a link in case you want to read more. So whichever method works for you, in my experience, older people tend to pick the newsletter, younger people tend to pick the app, people who are somewhere in the middle tend to pick the website, but if you feel young at heart or old at heart, it's all up to you. It is nice to have choices right there. I I, I love it. I can't wait to, uh... you know, Alex, I'm 45, so I'm right in the middle of what you're talking about. I think I'm going to download the app, you know, because I do feel like I'm 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 young at heart. So I love yeah, it. You are young at heart. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Um, give us the website again, please. Otherweb.com. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed as much as I did, show Alex your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas and wants to have really good ideas come their way and not just a bunch of BS clickbait nonsense, go to otherweb.com and depending on how you see yourself and how you like to consume information, download the app, uh, use the actual webpage browser or get signed up for that newsletter or do all three and then figure out what works best for you.
Thanks again, Alex. Thank you so much, George. Until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.